Hi, this is Grant Peters with Barnes & Thornburg's Chicago office. Um, you're listening to IP Fridays podcast with Rolf and Ken, and I hope you have a wonderful time. We'll see you in the metaverse. Hello, and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 131 of the IP Fridays podcast. My name is Ken Suzanne, co-host of the IP Fridays podcast, along with Rolf Clayson. Today, our topic for discussion is the metaverse, and there's lots to unpack in this field, with podcast guest Grant Peters. But first, let's turn our attention to a development at the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Since March 2020, the United States Patent and Trademark Office has closed its doors to the public because of the COVID-19 pandemic. During this time, the PTO worked to transform their information technology infrastructure, accelerate stabilization efforts, and update critical systems and tools. As part of their reopening plan, the PTO's latest phase opened its doors to all employees. In-person events and appointments for the public have resumed, but is still very limited. Visitors will be required to complete a health questionnaire and may be denied entry depending upon the results of the questionnaire. Local ordinance will likely control mask requirements depending on COVID-19 infection rates. Although the PTO is open to the public, oral hearings before the Patent Trial and Appeal Board and the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board will still be conducted by video or telephone. PTO events will remain mostly virtual, but an upcoming in-person event in Dallas suggests the next phase to open more services to the public throughout the other offices. Now, on to today's interview with Grant Peters. Our guest today on the IP Fridays podcast is Grant Peters. Grant is a partner in Barnes & Thornburg's Intellectual Property Department and has been with BNT Chicago office since 2000. Grant helps clients to design, develop, and sustain IP strategies to manage and curate their IP portfolios. He's known for his 360-degree view of IP matters, as well as creativity and candor while working with clients. Grant started working with IP while working as a project engineer at Interand in Chicago and after graduating undergrad. He went on to earn his JD from Loyola while working full-time at Interand. While he started out handling patent preparation and prosecution, he expanded his skills to include design patents, trademark, copyright, internet issues, green guide issues, domain name issues, and other IP areas. His clients are in a broad range of areas, including commercial food equipment, aerospace, professional and retail personal care appliances, architectural fixtures, finance, engineering, design, business consultants, construction materials, and others. Welcome, Grant, to the IP Fridays podcast. Hey, Ken. How are you doing today? Good. Doing well. Good to see you. Good. Yeah, it's it's nice to catch up after Inta too, and we had a good uh, showing there, and it was uh, great to see a lot of people getting out and uh, 
I felt like it was uh, fairly safe based on the protocols they had in place mm -hmm. for everybody to attend. So hopefully we'll be seeing you and lots of other people in Singapore next year. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. So Grant, did you have any conversations about today's topic, which is the metaverse, uh, while you were at INTA? Uh, yeah, great, great question. Um, yes, we did. Uh, first of all, INTA, I think, has done a good job over the last couple of years of trying to be proactive on the issues associated with the metaverse. So various committees have been involved in that. Um, but uh, yeah, side conversations with some of our international associates that, that I set up meetings with, uh, as well as, you know, some of our own BNT folks. Uh, I know you and I had a, a healthy conversation about it as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think INTA is all over this. So I think that shows also how important it is to IP, for, both for our clients and for our attorneys and, and our practices, to make sure we're on top of this issue and thinking proactively about it. Grant, can you tell us a little about your start at Interand and how that ties into the metaverse? Yeah, thanks. That, that's interesting. Um, Interand was a relatively small R&D company in Chicago. Um, and I, I really didn't even think about that background uh, or my experiences in that area until we started talking about this podcast. And, you know, Interand actually was probably one of the early starters, if you can imagine, at the end of the 80s. Um, in, in the metaverse, if you will. They were some of the first um, machines that would actually project us, uh, project over, overlay on our computers, um, the ability to draw and design and, and do things like that. So if you remember back when John Madden was drawing on your screen during football plays, um, and that was revolutionary for the time, you know, I think weather people did that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and with all the sounds he made, uh, that was one of our products, the Telestrator. And uh, we all thought that was pretty cool at the time, but little did we know that that really was some of the foundational background for this metaverse activity. Um, and, and when you think about it, some of the algorithms that we were developing were essential, the foundational algorithms for transmitting lots of information, uh, the illustrations that we were overlaying on the screens, uh, as well as the images themselves going over regular phone lines. We didn't even have T1 lines. I mean, that was something that was coming along for, along for that use. Mm -hmm. um, but to do that, those were some of the foundational algorithms. So it was a great group of people we were working with. Um, and, you know, just to pay a tribute to uh, Len Rifle, who I worked for, who was the CEO of Interand. And um, he was one of the few, I would say, genius polymath people I've met in my career. Uh, he did everything from picking lunar landing sites for NASA as a wunderkind there to working with the folks like Paul, um, uh, Carl Sagan, um, uh, wow. Kiefer, um, uh, Enrico Fermi, uh, folks like that. Those were people he associated with on a regular basis. Um, also, just a, a side note, and, and it's illustrative of what's going on here. Marty Cooper was a good friend of his, and you may remember Marty as the father of the uh, cell phone. There were lots of phones that were installed in cars. You'd have a trunk phone or a car phone. But Cooper was one of the first guys who broke some of the some of the problems that uh, were involved in a portable phone. So I think it was in '83 or that era um, that Cooper actually got into that and developed something that we could carry around. We call it a brick today. Yeah, it was revolutionary for its time, and that's how Motorola got into that area. Yeah, I remember people had shoulder straps or with the yes. battery packs and all. Yes, the bag phones at that time. That was before Cooper got into that. So yeah, yeah, it was fascinating. Definitely, Grant. So, what is the metaverse today, and what's happening in that technology space? 
the metaverse today, um, you know, based on what I was just saying about some of the background areas that I've been experienced or had in my experience, um, well, first of all, it's a it's really is a natural evolution, I think, of the internet. Okay, mm-hmm. we have this wonderful tool of the internet that we've all been using. Uh, it's been really kind of flat and two D. So we'll talk a little bit about the metaverse and some of its three D attributes, perhaps. Um, but it's it's really some people call it new wine and old bottles. I think that's one of the titles they use at Inta. Um, mm-hmm. and, and some of it will be that, but there's going to be a lot of things that we haven't even thought about. Because keep in mind, there's a Len Rifle and a Marty Cooper somewhere, you know, at, at a small company we're not even thinking about, uh, maybe at Meta, maybe at, you know, Microsoft. And they're thinking of things we haven't thought about. So it's it's a dynamic environment. But, you know, Meta, in terms of its name, is something that was coined by uh, Neil Stevenson in uh, his novel, Snow Crash from 1992. So any science fiction people out there will, will know that right away. Um, and it really picks up on the terms after and turn. So meta meaning after from its Greek roots. Um, I think Zuckerberg likes to use the word beyond. I think he thinks that's more marketable, mm-hmm. um, but that aside. So it's taking um, an area or experience and turning it to something after reality, if you will something that is beyond the reality. And so it's taking us from our physical world into uh, some immersive environment. Uh, and I think that's what we see in a lot of these um, uh, current portrayals, whether it's um, Ready Player One, which is a movie, right? Um, or other things like that. You know, I mentioned Snow Crash, people point out a lot. Um, that Those are typically dystopian views of the world. I don't think we're going down that path. And I think it could actually do a lot of good things uh, as we go forward. So, mm-hmm. um, and you'll also hear a lot of things tied into it. When I talk to clients, uh, I just talked to a client last week about it. And there are a lot of questions about blockchain, NFTs, crypto. Um, something we'll talk, we should talk about a little bit here today is, is smart contracts. And especially things that I talk about a lot would be blockchain domain names, which is something we need to talk about in this podcast and give people a heads up about Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that the metaverse is immersive. Uh, what do we do to connect to the metaverse and what type of technology is being used for those connections? Yeah, good questions. Um, well, let me back up just a little bit here and say, in talking to clients, I think it's really, we need to probe our clients' uh, objectives. And uh, for any attorneys listening, make sure you think about your clients' objectives um, because each client is going to have their own unique set of facts. And uh, right now, I think we think about the metaverse a lot in the context of entertainment um, and those types of experiences, whether it's gaming, uh, we're seeing some concerts performed online uh, in some of those areas. Um, but I know a lot of our clients are not in those. I mean, you listed some of the things I do for my clients. And right now at the top of the aerospace industry, they're not using the metaverse for gaming or even building um, you know, sophisticated aircraft in the metaverse, you know, that's a whole different world or, you know, commercial uh, food equipment companies, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of traditional manufacturing and retailing. Uh, so their experience is going to be a little bit different. Um, when you ask about how we connect to the metaverse, that's interesting too. Do you, do you have any um, gear? Do you do any gaming or anything like that? Uh, I know that my children are, you know, follow Roblox a lot, you know, right. and I know that there's a lot of interconnectivity with that. Right. Role playing online. Right. And those are really the real 
traditional on-ramps to the metaverse, um, you know, in terms of just setting the table here and giving some more background about it, the metaverse is something that has lots of different roots or branches to it. Um, we talk about augmented reality, uh, virtual reality, mixed reality. So we'll talk a little bit about each one of those categories. But, mm -hmm. you know, traditionally, we're going to see that the equipment is going to be something that has sight and sound associated with it. So mm -hmm. you've probably seen headsets where you put on something that's kind of blocky for your head. It's got a piece in the back, typically for uh, soft, uh, hardware and software operations. That's right. And some earphones that come down over your head. And, and you look like you're really detached from the world, but you're getting into a different world which I think is, is an important uh, characteristic. You use that word immersive. That really captures yeah. being immersed. Yes. And, and that's really what we, yeah, what we think about when we think about it. And that takes us in the realm of virtual reality, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And that's important to point out because uh, you've probably heard the term Oculus Rift. That was mm -hmm. um, uh, Palmer Luckey's uh, company and activities, which was bought up by Meta when it was still Facebook, I think. So you can see lots of things happening very quickly in this environment. Um, but that is what we consider virtual reality. What's interesting is augmented reality. And that may be something that be, may be more important to a lot of our clients uh, in the sense that uh, look up HoloLens, H-O-L-O-L-E-N-S. Uh, and that's a Microsoft product that's been in development for some period of time. The government's looking at, at that for military activity to help people operate equipment or learn about equipment more quickly. And it's an overlay. And you may be familiar with Google Glass. Yes. Uh, Google I, try, I tried uh, the Google Glass on several years ago. Okay, good. So you were probably a, a tester or something. Yes. You have a good friend, Larry, who is an early adopter. Uh, and that didn't go well for Google, but they learned a lot from it. And we got 2.0 coming out soon. So whether it's Google Glass or HoloLens or any other... Um, uh, device that you're going to see out there, I think that's going to be really important because that overlays a display, if you will, onto your real world. So it's not virtual reality. You're augmenting reality with these uh, additional um, uh, points of information. And that's important for things like training. We could use it for training. We could use it for fabrication. It'll help confirm parts that are being placed on a on a circuit board or in a piece of equipment. So our more traditional clients could benefit from that as well. Mm -hmm. so, um, so what are some of the other things that people are doing within this so-called metaverse or how are they using it? And what are some of the applications that you foresee coming about in the years to come? Yeah. So you, we talked a little bit there about, you know, the idea of manufacturing and how it yeah. can be used. Yeah, that's uh, fascinating. Manufacturing in the metaverse. Right, right. I mean, you know, Detroit could be using that. Um, I, I don't have any clients in that space, but Detroit could be using that as you're installing body panels to make sure you've got the right components going on and the right tool or things like that. So you get a confirmation, almost a little game-like, which might help, you know, the awareness factor on those type of operations. So that could be interesting. And maybe with productivity as well, too. People become engaged and, you know, uh, get really immersed again in their yeah. doing. Yeah. Well, uh, Microsoft makes some of those statements on its HoloLens page. So when you look at that, they'll make statements about some numerical benefits from doing this and productivity benefits. So, you know, in theory that they're, they're thinking about that already, but, you know, there's been a heavy emphasis on the gaming industry. Um, and that's regardless of what you think about gaming. I think, you know, there's a lot of activity going on with gaming. I mean, there are esports teams. So picture your favorite live sports teams whether it's Timberwolves or the Bulls or whoever, um, there are people buying esports teams and 
funding those. And they're worth tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars for what they can do. So there's a lot of play to earn activity going on out there. So there's mm-hmm. that. Um, you, you, you've done some work in wearables and, mm-hmm. you know, the IP associated with the fashion industry. Definitely. Um, they're definitely in it. Uh, Gucci is selling virtual shoes. So if you want that for your avatar, um, you can do it. So uh, there's a lot of activity there. And there's a lot of trademark issues also coming about, right? Correct. Uh, with Correct. the, in the metaverse. Correct. A lot of trademark issues. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute because there's some mm-hmm. things that we really need to be alert to. Um, as an example too, there's a, I think there's a big opportunity and we talked about this uh, while we were at Inta uh, opportunity. If we get more concerned about climate change, um, regardless of how you feel about it, um, if there is a tax overlaid on the, on various governments, uh, by governments, on individuals, that might have an effect on our travel. So the idea of business travel might become more discretionary to do live travel. Uh, and if we can do 3D virtual reality meetings, I'm not talking about the little floaty you know, avatar people without legs, but m- more accurate representations of yourself, uh, I think that'll be very helpful. I can, you can look online and see Deloitte has been exploring this, and they bought any number of headsets to deploy to some of their people. And with a group like that, where we got 300,000 employees traveling, uh, a lot of people traveling at any given time, if you can curtail some of that unnecessary, I wouldn't call it unnecessary, but reduce some of that travel uh, a- a- appropriately, you can not only reduce your carbon tax credits, but you can also save a ton of money for the company as well as your your clients on travel. So, like, wow, that, yeah. Now, Grant, isn't this uh, just a trend like Second Life was? Maybe a, a digital tulip mania or another beanie baby bubble? Yeah, uh, good, good points. Uh, uh, humans love those type of mania bubble activities we've seen it in all sorts of things like you said mania is is a great historical example um i I think it's likely to stick this time we saw second life you know back Mm -hmm. a few years ago um you know and there's you know that was 2003 ish so that's almost 20 years ago it's still there it's seeing a little resurgence but I think it's going to stick not only because of the esports industry, uh, but like I said about carbon credits as being a possible uh, driver of this. Not to mention when Second Life came along, I think there was a real strong interest in uh, the metaverse. But one of the problems we ran into was processing power, cost for processing power. Uh, the headsets were were clunky. Um, the the persistence of images, the head tracking, you know, things lagged and were jaggy. Uh, so I think that's changed quite a bit. And, and again, Oculus Rift was the, the group driving that. They've got a lot right. So I think we're going to see a lot of things happen there. Um, this could be the biggest change since PCs. I mean, you know, think back to when PCs were just coming online. A lot of people said, well, God, why do we need that? We got one in the office. Uh, why do we need one at home? Uh, you know, and, and we found lots of ways to use it. Um, in, in, in talking to my clients, um, a couple of them were kind of blown away by some of the things that are going on, like buying real estate in the virtual world um, and paying real dollars for that. Of course, it's in Bitcoin, but that aside, mm-hmm. um, but real money uh, involved in that. And I said, just picture yourself, you're back in the 1500s in, in Europe. And you know, people say, why do we need to go across the ocean and go to that place? We got everything we need here. And I think it's one of those things, once we explore that world, and we see the benefits of it. 
Um, uh, lots of things open up. So I think that's where we are. We're on the precipice of that right now. And that's why I think it's really important for a lot of our clients to think about this and decide what to do. Um, you know, at this point, um, you know, they need to put together a team and figure out how to go about that. So, um, you know, with, with regard to those activities. Yeah. And what should businesses be doing today about their IP rights in relation to the metaverse? I know that this is an important question for a lot of people. Yeah, this, I mean, what we've done so far in this discussion is set the table for it and kind of give the background. Because yeah. I will say, even though we work with a lot of sophisticated people, if they're in an age group where they're not personally engaged with this, they may not have been up to speed on some of these activities. So there's some really fascinating things going out there. But what should they be doing? And that's that's the legal meat of what we're talking about today. Um, first and foremost, I think you need to put together a team in-house um, and kind of blue sky this. And I know we all want to be focused on metrics and deliverables, but this one, there's not going to be a lot of deliverables. It's kind of one of those ideation sessions that you have, you know, if you're going through industrial design for a product uh, or trying to develop new product attributes or improvements, um, kind of blue sky it. Um, maybe have your attorney, if he or she uh, are involved in these areas, um, they could probably give you some good guidance. Uh, maybe a consultant, if you have a regular consultant you work with and respect for these types of open-minded thinking. Um, you know, nothing's going to be too crazy when you think about this, because as I, I think it was Donald Rumsfeld said, it's the unknown unknowns that gets us, you know. So you got to get out there and think about this. Um, you know, for a lot of our clients, again, going back to basic manufacturing and assembly of products and hard goods going out the door, you know, maybe it's a virtual showroom. Maybe it's an opportunity to set up a 3D environment where you welcome in your customers. I know that there's lots of companies doing this already, but there's any number of companies that are not doing that. Um, 3D trade shows. Talk to your favorite industry group and find out if they're, if they're doing that already, how you get involved, how you set up your uh, exhibit within the 3D space, what you need to do that. Um, well, it's going to have a big impact on the travel industry. Oh, I mean, something like that. Absolutely. And, you know, as we were talking about Inta at the beginning here, Inta did a live plus, right? So they did live and then they had virtual, not virtual, but, you know, uh, Zoom type things that you could join in and be part of CLE activities. Um, and, you you know, you could be there. So part sure. of the conference. And that's going to expand, I think, going forward. So we're going to see that hybrid activity. Mm -hmm. um, you need to think about what IP is going to apply and when you talk to your IP counsel, I think they'll be identifying things like um, issues associated with trademarks, patents, and especially things like copyrights. This is an image-rich and a, a code-rich environment. So if you're coming up with code that applies to what you're doing, maybe you are designing virtual products, that code is the subject of copyright. The images you're posting, the, the videos, the clips, the skins that you put on the, the avatars, those are all subject to copyright. Um, mm -hmm. there's, there's lots of opportunities for patents, right? Any problem that you come up with and you solve, uh, that solution to the problem could be the subject of a patent. And as I've said lots of times to various clients, it's patentable until somebody tells us it isn't. Um, you know, and that may be the result of a, of a, a patentability search. It could be the result of an examination. But if it's important to your business and provides value, consider the patent activities. Um, but, you know, you and I were talking about something else and, and the area of blockchain domain names, right? Yes. Yes. Tell me about, about that. Sure. And you worked with domain names with your, for your clients, right? Yes. 
-hmm. So you've done things like UDRP uh, proceedings. Mm -hmm. You filed trademark applications related to some of those activities. Um, you've uh, perhaps registered or counseled them on registering domain names. Yes. So we're all used to that. So that is kind of, we're going to say new wine and old bottles area of activity, but blockchain domain names are kind of a new creature. It's a different flavor of wine in those bottles because it, first of all, it requires a, a crypto wallet to buy it. So you're going to have to do that. Uh, well, many of them, not all of them, but many of them. <clears throat> and, and importantly, there is no ICANN. So uh, you and I have talked before about um, ICANN and, and uh, those activities. ICANN is the um, Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, and that's the non-governmental governing body of the Internet. So when we get new domain names, like we saw over the last five or six years at 1,300 new domain names that were launched, um, that was a little overwhelming for some of our clients, but we felt comfortable in the sense that there was a sunrise period. There was an opportunity for trademark owners to get rights early before other parties. The clearinghouse, right? Exactly. We had the, the trademark clearinghouse. So we had all those activities and we counseled our clients and helped them come up on the curve. The problem here is that we don't have that here. Um, ICANN was wonderful because it had uh, academics and government people and scientists involved. Some people complain it slowed things down in the original internet, um, but without it, it could just be you know a, a, a free-for-all. So that's been good. We don't have that for blockchain domain names. They each are proprietary. They each you know pertain to their own um, blockchain or, or Coinbase. Um, so that's going to be interesting. And I recommend to all of our clients and uh, anybody who's listening, explore that and consider what you need to do. Um, there is a little bit of a positive on that one. Most of these blockchain domain names have a single registration fee. And that's kind of a, a factor associated with blockchain itself and cryptocurrency. You're going to pay $100. Some of the domain names are going to be $10,000, depending on you know the, the algorithm that tells how, how valuable it is. Um, but you're going to pay that once. So that's actually good. Um, and again, we talked about UDRP proceedings. Yeah. What has been your experience with those? Have those been pretty good for you and your clients? Yeah, they usually take care of issues pretty swiftly and and, and financially um, makes sense, you know, yeah. versus going to court. But what you said kind of intrigues me. What what happens if uh, someone discovers that there's uh, a cyber squatter on one of these uh, blockchain domain names? What, what kind of procedures should they do? Is that a federal court situation, anti-cyber squatting act? Yeah, well, that's that's the fascinating problem here is because under the ICANN rules, the UDRP, somebody may register and have their, their information in proxy or privacy mode, so you're not going to see it initially. But once you file that UDRP complaint, uh, you're going to be able to get that information and contact that person directly. That's just part of the regulatory activity with ICANN. What's interesting here is that's not available. So you know, when it's filed and, and secured in the crypto world, that entity's name is unknown. So let's say you've got a bad guy registers company name dot X or dot crypto or dot coin, you know, all those are available. Um, we don't know who that is. We won't know who that is. It's completely anonymous. You know, that's one of the problems we're running into. Actually, it's a benefit and it's a problem uh, in the world of uh, the metaverse is that it's decentralized, it's anonymous, and it's unregulated. And so that's going to be problems. So I recommend being very proactive 
thinking about what domain names you need and yeah. trying try to being first to register. Yeah, try, try to secure those early. And I think that that's really important. That's that should be top of list and lock those down. That shouldn't take too much effort. And if you if your eyes pop out when you see a five thousand dollar cost for registering one of those, it is expensive and it's an expensive hit, but it's a single hit. So you're not going to be going back to that. So that's important. Um, we talked a little bit about copyrights. Uh, we talked about patents and trademarks. Um, you know, customers are going to be requesting a lot of our clients to have, you know, digital access to accept uh, crypto and digital um, currency. So that's something else they need to think about if they haven't already. Um, how are you going to hold it? Is it, going to, is it going to be just a quick conversion once it hits your desk to whatever the current amount is uh, in dollars or other currency? Um, is it going to be held for a period of time? You know, there's tax consequences that go with that. I'm not a tax person, so I can't profess to know how that's going to be, but each company needs to make a decision about that going forward. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important. Well, Grant, you know, we're nearing the end of today's episode, but this has been fascinating information. I know that basically every day there's something new that's going to pop up about this and people should should monitor Metaverse on the internet and see how it impacts uh, their businesses and speak to their IP council to keep ahead of the curve. Um, you said you wanted to do a shout out for the end of the episode. <laughs> so what is that shout out, Grant? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, just a quick shout out to my family, my wife and kids. Uh, they've, they've tolerated listening to me about this stuff as I go on and <laughs> family dinners or whatnot. So thanks guys. Appreciate that. But, you know, during COVID, I think a lot of us listen to podcasts, whether we were out walking the dog or, you know, doing whatever we did away from the office. And those were important. So just to, I'll just keep it to two right now. Uh, first one is Star Talk. Um, maybe you'll get a little juice for your podcast out of this. But Neil deGrasse Tyson and uh, uh, Chuck Nice uh, are great on that. And Chuck does a great job. Uh, no offense to Neil, but Chuck uh, really brings a lot of life and humor to the the podcast. Then there's another one called Ologies. Have you tried that one yet? No, I have not. Uh, it's a okay. it's a fun podcast. It's uh, run by somebody named Allie Ward, and she does a great job. Uh, she's very uh, uh, humorous and enlightening. Gets into any th- type of biology. Think of biology, cryptology. You know, name it. And she's been working on it. Um, so just a shout out to her and uh, appreciation for what she does. And she does something at the end of every show with a secret. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to share my secret. And I know this is a little crazy. It's out there, but yeah. I've been known for that. And now that um, Elon Musk has bought, uh, has acquired, I guess, um, uh, uh, Twitter, I, I, I'd like to see him take on another one of his world-changing ideas and put in a combination of uh, blockchain or crypto, uh, combine it with Twitter and create a worldwide uh, voting system that regardless of your party, regardless of your inclinations, uh, I'm a big believer all parties should get their votes out and help us solve that problem. I know people a lot will question him uh, or question that idea. Uh, sure, there's a lot of problems, but you know that could eliminate a lot of problems. So, Wow, fascinating to think about indeed. Right. Um, Grant, how could people find you or get in contact with you if they want oh, to chat with thanks. you further? Uh, I'm at Barnes & Thornburg, of course, as you said, in the Chicago office, uh, grant.peters at btlaw.com. And that's Grant, like the president. I know it gets mispronounced a lot. <laughs> Grant.peters at btlaw.com. And uh, ping me and we can talk and go from there. So, Grant, as always, thank you so much for your insightful views and information on the metaverse and all things IP. Thanks again for being on the IP Fridays podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for the time. 
that's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com slash love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can go to ipfridays.com iTunes and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.